0: Hey Gem, welcome to Drinking With Gin, and if you're coming back, welcome back. I'm Ginny Preem, your host. I am an inspirational keynote speaker, your podcast host here, also the author of You're My Favorite, and I'm My Favorite, a guided journal for your path forward. I also am a life coach at the mastery level. Thank you for joining us today. We have a special guest. Her name is Teresa Lear Levine. And she is a rare guest where she shares some of her own struggles and traumas and experiences, but then also kind of her way of how she helps people on their own journeys as well. So Teresa has had battles with past traumas high-functioning anxiety, and ADHD, and some of you may definitely be relating to that. She talks about how that was a distraction, and she was really dissatisfied. So she had this transformative pivot, and it came when exhaustion, insomnia, and the struggle to be present in her own abundantly blessed life broke her down. So she is the author of Becoming More Me, Tapping Into Success, Subconscious Secrets of an ADHD Entrepreneurial Mom. And we will put links to that in the show notes. She's also an EFT master practitioner, and a hypnotherapist. And so really unique things that we've never talked about here before on the show. I am going to be quiet now um, and let you listen to this conversation with Teresa. So Teresa uh, lives with her husband, four boys, and two yellow labs in the Washington, D.C. area. And before I forget, don't forget to leave a review. If you love this episode or any other one, give it five stars. Leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Share it with a friend. And don't forget to follow and subscribe to the show. Enjoy this conversation with Teresa. Teresa, thank you so much for being here today on Drinking With Gin.
1: I'm excited to be here.
0: All right. So we start every episode with what are you drinking? Are you sipping something while we're chatting today?
1: You're about to get to know me really well because I'm an ADHD mom and I have three drinks sitting in front of me right now. So yes, I'm sipping tea. I'm sipping a spindrift and I'm sipping an iced dirty chai that I made the almond milk from scratch with. (laughs)
0: Oh my gosh. Yum. Okay. That is so relatable. First of all, I feel like the topic of ADHD has been coming up a lot with people in my community and with listeners. So we're going to get into that in just a little bit. I have to share, of course, what I'm drinking, that dirty chai I almost stopped to get a dirty chai, but the line was too long at the coffee shop down the street from my house. So I passed and I stopped and I got a strawberry blackberry flavored smart water. So let's hope, let's hope. This I didn't stuff... even know they made flavors. I didn't either, but I was like, oh, I'm going to get a smart water. I saw this and I was like, all right, well, let's hope this stuff works and makes me smarter. Um. <laughs> all right. So you've got your array of beverages as we sip along here on drinking with gin today. So Jim, we've got a real treat for you today. We've never had a guest like Teresa uh, on drinking with gin before. So while we have had guests that come on and share their inspiring stories of what they've overcome, we bring on expert guests that bring their own um, modalities and expertise to help us grow on our own self-improvement and personal growth journeys. But, and we've also had some guests that have a little bit of both, but your skills that you're going to talk about here today, Teresa, these are unique and something that we've never had this type of guest. So Let's go back to I know a lot of your story is rooted in experiencing trauma, which unfortunately, and unfortunately, I think for some of us that have been through some really traumatic experiences, we say those are the things that have shaped us and have made us kind of go on this journey and do the things that we do today. So what? What is it that really was one, or maybe more than one, of those traumatic experiences that really kind of shook you to your core? Mm. There's been a few,
1: and I didn't share every single traumatic experience that I've been through when I wrote my book. But two of the ones that were they were similar um, that really shaped me were car accidents that I had um, in my late teens, and my early twenties, and also. There, I mean, there was certain amounts of trauma because of the relationship that I had with my dad and who I'm now estranged from. That's been an in and out kind of woven trauma in my life. But the car accidents really put me into this position of, you know, I was coming into, I was in college. I was coming into life, like working full time. I was working in a bank. I was really excited about like, kind of like what the future held. And like, I was always like ambitious, you know, I had all these goals and things. And then I have this car accident that, really didn't do a whole lot of damage to the car. But all of a sudden, I have, you know, migraines, I have vertigo, I have, you know, herniated discs, I have pain, I have what they ended up, you know, just slapping the tag of like fibromyalgia on because they didn't know anything else to call it because I had all these different weird aches and pains and things. And I wasn't able to work. And it was like everything that made me feel worthy as what I knew back then was kind of stripped away. And I was just kind of trying to figure out like how I fit into things, you know, especially when you're younger, like one of the first things and even now I mean one of the first things people ask you when you know you meet them in a social gathering or setting is you know like what do you do for a living or what do you do and it's like, I'm on disability. (laughs) Like, you know, it just it really stripped away a lot of what I thought made me who I was, and um, it made me have to figure out a lot of things but from that place, I ended up in um, my first marriage, which was just not great and, you know, ended up getting divorced, um, several years later after having, uh, the first of my four sons. And, you know, I, I know all of that kind of came from this place of like these things that happened through my, my youth and my, my teens and, um, these car accidents and everything else kind of landing in this relationship in a place of just feeling very like unworthy of anything better.
0: All right. Well, you packed a whole lot into that. Like when we, if we sit and think about, right, like what you went through. So you went through this horrible car accident, multiple, it sounds like more than one. And that left you with physical injury, the inability to work, which probably may have, did that cause some financial strain? Yeah, of course. And also like, then there's all
1: sorts of different like money blocks and subconscious stuff that builds on top of things that are already programmed as a child and all sorts of other things. So I really do feel like a lot of the trauma was more like subconscious and more, you know, mental and emotional than physical, even though I did have a lot of physical pain at the time too.
0: Well, and then I really appreciate how you opened up and were really vulnerable about like lacking the sense of identity and who you are. And especially when we are in our twenties and even our thirties, like we are trying to figure out who the heck are we? And like, to your I'm point, I'm trying to figure it out in my 40s, <laughs> if I'm being honest,
1: but <laughs>
0: yeah. And that's okay too. We're all we're all on this path of figuring things out. But you know, I think as we get into our thirties, forties, et cetera. I think there is more of a tendency to become a little bit more sure of who you are a little bit more confident, steady on your feet, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to put one foot in front of the other on your path, but having that uncertainty of who you are and to your point of so many people put a lot of their identity in what they do for a job. And I hope we're starting to make a shift in that from a society perspective, like I, a lot of times I'll have conversations with people. I'm like, what do you do for fun? Like what brings you joy? And I right. just feel like that's such a, like, what makes you happy? What do you like to do? And it's so interesting. Cause I actually was meeting with a prospective speaking client yesterday and we were, you know, asking like, you know, what are your roles? And I loved this young girl, this young woman. She was like, I, you know, this is what I do for my nine to five And really didn't like make that her identity. And she was like, I actually get a lot more joy out of this component of the event planning and planning this type of stuff in my world. And I was like, that was, I just thought it was really cool. So I'm really, Yeah. yeah, she owned it. And I, so I appreciate you bringing that up too. And people, you know, not losing sight of who we are as a person because we are not necessarily what we do. Oh,
1: no. I hate that we all start with like, I'm so-and-so, I'm a this, I'm a that. It's like what we do. We're defining ourselves in that way, but I think it's so much more important how we be than what we do.
0: Yes, how we be. And so you also talked a little bit about your relationship with your dad. Um, I I had to go no contact with my mom. So I think we have some similarities there. Do you think that made a big impact in, you know, because you shared that you had gotten divorced, you had a not so great first marriage. Do you think that relationship with your dad had an impact on who you chose as your first spouse?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, there's no no doubt about it. You know, I mean, as much as we all would love to act like our parents, like we're not like becoming them in some way or attracting them or recreating situations, it is like it's the way of our, our design, you know? So I think we call a lot of that in until we figure out how to break patterns or cycles.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can absolutely relate to that. So I say like one of the things that is really, um, that was really prominent for me in my life was picking and choosing people, not even just romantic partners, but even like friendships or even being drawn to certain coworkers because their toxic and destructive and abusive behaviors were familiar Mm -hmm. to me. And, you know, when you don't, when that's so familiar, there's comfort, unfortunately, in that, which doesn't mean it's good. It's just what you know, like you said, until you can break the patterns and the cycles. So, how did you start to break those patterns and cycles for yourself?
1: I think with everything that I've kind of made steps with, it's always been a matter of um, raising my awareness and elevating my consciousness. You know, that's kind of what really started to happen for me so much when I began using nervous system regulation as a major tool for my own like um, emotional advancement was that as I looked at each thing and used nervous system regulation along with it, it was like another kind of layer kind of peeled back and I had a new awareness, a new consciousness and a new way of um, having a perspective on it. And that definitely helps you to begin shifting things and i think also you know with the modality that i really embrace being emotional freedom techniques you know at the heart of that is figuring out how to cultivate true love acceptance and forgiveness for whatever the feeling is that you're having and you know when you actually have that you don't have the negative feelings anymore and you're able to transcend so many things that are otherwise complicated or that make you stagnate or procrastinate or feel traumatized or whatever the challenges that you're facing
0: Mm. Hmm. So I love when guests come on and even though we might say things a little bit differently or call them something different and there's like these commonalities. So one of the things that I always teach is box breathing. I even do it from stage. I did it this week and it creates, it can create a common language within an organization or a team and people don't realize the power of just breath, right? So when you're talking about regulating your central nervous system, like decreasing your blood pressure, um, you know, decreasing your heart rate, lowering your cortisol levels, increasing your focus so that you can, like you said, feel the feelings that you are. And if they're negative and you don't want to feel them, then you can start to put intention on how you do want to feel in more of a, you know, positive, uplifting, enlightening kind of manner.
1: And it's not that any of those feelings that don't feel good aren't Good, You know, I mean, like we need the dark and the light and the feelings that, you know, hurt as much as the feelings that feel good or none of it would really mean anything anyway, but it's figuring out what those feelings have to bring to you, what their message is, what they need to tell you and then figuring out how to get them to move you know like so often especially as women like we're taught to like shove down our feelings it's not okay to be angry it's not okay to yeah. express this or that so we just and push it down and that never bodes well for us in the long run. So it's like our emotions, the feelings, they want to move, the energy wants to move, and everything is energy at a basic level. So when we can actually like acknowledge the feeling, then all of a sudden it moves. And it's like, it's kind of like visualizing like a burp up and out, you know, and it's like, all of a sudden, it's not a problem anymore. It's moved.
0: Yeah. So when you kind of shifted from, you know, this, like moving from some of these feelings that you didn't want to feel right. And you said that you acknowledge them and then they kind of move through you was because you do hypnotherapy now, which I'm fascinated about. And this is one of the things that's really unique that you do that no other guest on drinking with Jen, um, has done before. And so was that part of your own healing journey? Yeah. So I, am. I really stand by the fact
1: that I think anybody who coaches or does therapy or whatever like needs to kind of take their own medicine. So, you know, I do EFT, I do self-hypnosis, I go and see a hypnotherapist, I do all of the things that I also do with other people and I'm always kind of like expanding that. I think when we resist our own expansion, we end up in more pain than when we started. So yes, it was definitely part of it. And when I started, you know, to explore hypnotherapy and to work with things that way, I had even more like subconscious shifts, these little subtle things. Things. You know that it was like all of a sudden I was doing things differently, or I was feeling differently about things, or you know I would notice like beliefs changing or feelings changing and I was like, this is really fascinating. And of course, you know, as an ADHD curious kind of person it's like once i'm fascinated by something I have to learn it, figure it out, and you know, incorporate it, integrate it.
0: Is there anything specific that you can share with us? because I think when we you know our beliefs, right? That's like a huge statement to say that hypnotherapy started to help you shift and maybe change some of your beliefs. Do you have a an example of something that was a big shift for you that made a big impact in your life? Yeah. um, so last spring, as I was writing my book,
1: um, I was going through a lot of stuff in my in my marriage. And, you know, we've been married for, we celebrated 15 years this last fall and, you know, love my hubby and we have an amazing relationship, but like any relationship, you know, go through these ebbs and flows where like sometimes things are like more connected and awesome than others. And we were definitely kind of at this like strange, like I could feel the energy of it wasn't quite right is is really the only way I could explain it? it's not totally connected a little bit like more. Like resentments coming through and like snippiness and kind of like not really like showing up as the loving people that we are towards each other and. you know, I spent time with my hypnotherapist kind of really kind of laying out like what I wanted to feel and how I wanted to feel it and how I wanted to show up and how I wanted to be able to be vulnerable and all that kind of stuff. And we worked all of that like in, and you know, I also used my own skills to write my own like self-hypnosis and kind of like listen to those tracks and stuff. Just like I do with my clients, my clients always get tracks to listen to. Um, And it made a huge difference in me being able to like let down those walls at times when it didn't feel like maybe it was it was never unsafe, but you know how sometimes you feel like something, it just doesn't feel quite like you want to open up and to be able to open up to that. And that was huge too, because, you know, as I wrote my book last spring, I really it was important to me to do everything kind of through the lens of pleasure like last year was all about like bringing pleasure back into my life and like really up leveling that and letting it just fill in all the crevices like i think as women like we back burner that all the time and it is like that secret like spark that like juice that like makes everything better and so i um i immersed in a bunch of different like programs and and coaching and stuff myself last year really. Like take that to the next level. And I think some of that was like firing up things in my husband that was making him feel kind of like closing down and like, I'm trying to open up in these new ways. So yeah, it was just like, yeah, that was probably like one of the biggest things was that we were able to move into this new chapter to heal a lot of old wounds and then to take things to the next level of amazingness in such a shorter period of time than we would have been able to if we had gone through a difficult challenge like that 10 years ago. You know, it's like knowing how to to regulate and how to work with my own subconscious mind made it so that instead of shutting down or being less receptive or open or communicative, I was able to stay in the present moment, be present, even when it was felt painful or uncomfortable or unfamiliar and move through it in a smoother way.
0: That's so cool. And I really appreciate how you're like, okay, so we weren't maybe the most connected, but then you took ownership and accountability to control what you could control and how you you could... That's all you can do. Right. And I think that a lot of times, especially in relationships or marriages, there's a lot of finger pointing and a lot of like, you know, blaming the other person, you know, and I think that's really cool that you took action that was able to make a big impact positively on your relationship and kind of bringing it to the next level through hypnotherapy. Um, So you've mentioned your book a couple of times. Tell us what it's called and where people can find it. And I'll make sure it gets in the show notes and everything too. But I want to make sure that we get to talk about that a little bit.
1: Thanks. I appreciate that. The book is called Becoming More Me, Tapping Into Success, Subconscious Secrets of an ADHD Entrepreneurial Mom. And it's available on Amazon. There's Audible, Kindle, paperback, all that. Uh, It was very important to me as um, someone with ADHD who pretty much never actually reads books, but listens to them, that there was an audible version and that it was read by me. So, and I knew I was speaking to the right tribe when, as I was writing it, I kept getting messages from people saying, there's going to be an audible version, right? So that was really important. To me, and um, what was your other question about the book? I'm sorry, I forget. Uh,
0: where people can, where people can find it and the name, which you answered Amazon. And oh, this is so funny. Um, one of my listeners uh, had reached out to me, and they were talking about ADHD and how um, I think. I forget what the topic was. I think we were talking about my downloadable workbook. So I have a downloadable workbook on my website that is all about shifting your internal dialogue, right? Like how we speak to ourselves. And so it's like this 14-page workbook, blah, blah, blah. But we were talking about that, and she was like, oh, I meant to go buy it, but then ADHD. Oh, and by the way, I was just listening to this Mel Robbins podcast on ADHD, and then a couple of days later, they screenshot it and sent it to me. And they're like, oh, I only got like 11 minutes in. I must have got distracted by something else, you know, ADHD. So I just I appreciate you being so open about it and like how you talk about it and share. I think it's, again, really relatable. The three drinks to start out drinking with gin. I got to have that variety and, you know, oh, a lot of different I things going on.
1: I talk about it in my book that this this very like dirty chai that I made with my own almond milk was my distraction and my procrastination on the day that I was actually starting to write the book. So you know, like I had set out that day, this is going to be day one I'm writing today it's all you know beginning. And I had this plan in my head that I basically found ways in my mind to like go against every step of the way I talk about that because that's one of those things that with having greater awareness and consciousness you start to see those patterns, like where they just kind of blend in when you don't have that awareness. It's like, I can tell when my brain is like telling me, you think you're going to do that today? Nope, we're not doing that today. And like kind of starts to turn on me, but then I can like push back if I know that that's actually my priority or, you know, the best thing for the highest good that day. And some days it's just like, whatever, it's not worth fighting it. <laughs> Go with the flow of the, the cycles. You know, I, I also talk about how like, you know, everything that we are taught is like based around the, like the male 24 hour cycle, you know, whereas like as women, our cycles are vastly different, especially for me as a perimenopausal woman, <laughs> vastly different. So, you know, in looking at that, like sometimes you just have to honor that some days are just not the day for certain things. And other days are going to be killer. But yeah, I could see that all unfolding on that first morning writing my book where I was just like really not getting into it. But at the end, I ended up writing like a couple chapters at like the last hour instead of like over the course of the six hours that I had planned, I busted it all out. And I had done like 30 other things before that in procrastination. But you know what? I, I was able to like reframe it and be like, this is fabulous. Instead of getting one thing done, I got a whole bunch of things done.
0: I recently did an episode on procrastination and uh, one of the resources that I referenced said that oftentimes people with ADHD procrastinate unconsciously or subconsciously, right? Like not intentionally doing it. um, And then it's almost like then the deadline passes and it's almost too late, but it's not actually the task. It's just getting started, which it sounds like once you did you know, actually start, you really were productive, which is, yeah. which is great. So but I could right, also so- see that I was scared, mm-hmm. you know,
1: like I could also see that there was a fear and that my subconscious mind was trying to protect me from whatever it perceived, you know, me doing this next big thing was going to bring up for me. Yeah.
0: It can be scary. Like I almost, I tried to back out at the last second when my uh, first book was about to be published. I was like, no, I don't think I want to put this out in the world. (laughs) It's like, that's, it's too late at this point. Uh, But I'm so glad I did. Right. Like there's sometimes that fear we have to, like you said, be aware of it move through yeah. it and and look at us now published it's like authors, somehow it didn't hit me podcasts. until i was like writing
1: it and getting ready to publish it that i'm like oh people are gonna read this <laughs> you know <laughs> like oh it's actually gonna be out there like it was hard enough for me to like hand my draft over to my husband for him to read all the vulnerable things in there and then be like okay what do you think but you know he was nothing but supportive
0: <laughs> oh, that's wonderful that's great Okay, so your book, and we talked a little bit about how you've used hypnotherapy, how do you use hypnotherapy with your clients? Is there certain areas that you like to tap into with them? How does that work to help people make progress towards their goals? Yeah, so with both of the techniques that I love the most being
1: emotional freedom techniques and hypnotherapy, you can use either of them on anything that you can feel so whether that's emotional or physical whether that's past stuff that happened a long time ago stuff that's happening currently or things that you're future pacing or anxious about so it really opens up the doors to kind of like nothing's off the table but i will say that after i you know meet with my my one-on-one clients for like their initial consultation, that's kind of when we come up with like the game plan, you know, and I can really kind of see after kind of thumbing through their life and putting some things in order, like what we need to look at. And maybe we need to use hypnotherapy to figure out, you know, why they have financial insecurities. Maybe we need to figure out, you know, about their body confidence, or maybe it's something, you know, related to Like sexual pleasure or their intimate relationships. Maybe it's related to why they're afraid to be successful. You know, it's all, nothing's off the table. So it's really what it comes down to is what's going to be the biggest benefit for my client? What are the things that they most want to see a difference in? And then when I can kind of pinpoint what's going to make the biggest difference for them, that's kind of where we start the hypnotherapy session. And we end up regressing through different things. We allow the subconscious mind to bring different, you know, memories or instances that are related to that to the surface, um, which is really fascinating because we all, so often can do that with the conscious mind. We love to be like, oh well, I know why this is that way. It's because of this and that. But when you actually get into like a trance state and um, a different frequency, then the subconscious mind brings things up. Sometimes, you know, my clients will start kind of talking in trance about it, and they'll be like. I don't understand why it's this thing. You know, it's just this stupid scene about like my brother and I sharing a candy bar in the backseat of the car. I don't understand what this has to do, you know, with whatever. And then all of a sudden they're connecting the dots. and They're like, Holy crap. Like, this is exactly why, you know, I don't feel like I have anything that I can call my own or, you know, whatever else. And they start putting it together. And that's what's so powerful. I think about hypnotherapy, especially when you do it in this way, some hypnotherapists just kind of like deliver the hypnotherapy. I'm talking with my clients all throughout and then kind of delivering a transformation at the end, that they get to listen to over and over again. And when it's done that way, uh, the power is in them, you know, and they feel empowered because they're putting it all together. And I'm just guiding them through as they figure out things that you know they're like wow I can't believe I never looked at it that way or saw it that way or whatever as they connect more with what's underneath the surface you know that subconscious mind is 90 percent of what's running the show for us and we're only kind of aware of the 10 percent. it's like the whole iceberg diagram you know it's like so much is happening underneath the surface
0: that's fascinating I love that and I like that you kind of put your own spin and approach to the treatment and to the therapy for your clients. And then, so hypnotherapy is just one of the things that you use with your people. And you also use EFT, correct? Yeah. Okay. Tell us what is EFT? What does that stand for? Do you use them together, separately? Um, you know, like how does that help benefit people? And maybe even share with us a little bit about how you used it on your own journey of trauma, healing and recovery to get to this point to then be able to use it with other people.
1: Yes. Happy to answer all of that. You might have to remind me
0: of a few of those questions. I I try Um, not to do like four questions in a row, but I just couldn't help it. (laughs)
1: no worries Uh, just just help me get to all of them um so eft stands for emotional freedom techniques and it's been around since the 90s and it's based off of things that have been around a heck of a lot longer so you know ancient chinese medicine that's been around for thousands of years and modern day psychology and what it does is we tap on what we call meridian endpoints in our body if you ever had a deep tissue massage or acupuncture or something like that they're going to use those different meridian endpoints to release and relieve different things well it works the same with energetic blockages that are emotional um basically any dis-ease that we have in our in our bodies or minds comes from energy being blocked not flowing through the way that it was supposed to and it's the same reason why you know with trauma like two people could be in the same you know accident on a bus or something and one might have you know horrible flashbacks and you know ptsd or something from the experience and somebody else might be like eh was in an accident on a bus, you know, and they're just kind of going about their day. We all process things differently. And the person who's traumatized by it has created these energetic blockages where, you know, it didn't quite go through the way it was supposed to go through. So we can relieve those while we're kind of tapping on these endpoints and talking about the issue. Um... It lowers cortisol while you're doing that, so you can actually lower your cortisol up to like 43% in five minutes doing EFT, which for me was a huge selling point when I started. Um, I shifted from, you know, health, fitness, nutrition, that kind of thing, into this work um, five to seven years ago. And, you know, I loved that I could use this to keep, you know, the benefits of, you know, health and exercise and everything else kind of like going really well without clogging things up with stress hormones. And I initially loved using this technique to work on my own responses to things, especially my kids. I have four boys. um, And when I started to really dig into subconscious mind and nervous system work, my youngest had just been born. He'll be seven in a couple of weeks. So I have a seven-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 13-year-old and an 18-year-old. And you know, back in the day, um, I could lose my temper pretty easily. (laughs) So, you know, at first it was like, huh? I don't want to, I don't want to show up this way, you know, like no mom wants to be like grumpy mom that snaps, but you know, I was her every now and then. And I used the techniques to be able to calm down and to be able to show up differently for my kids and be more of the mom, the wife, the friend, the sister, the daughter that I wanted to be. And you know, it was, it was pretty cool to see how quickly that could shift and change. And, you know, at first it was like, I'd excuse myself and like go into the powder room and like do a quick round of tapping and then kind of come out and take a breath. And then I was like, you know what? Like my kids need to see this, you know, because, you know, this is something that is inherently going to be part of their makeup also. And they need to know how to regulate their own emotions and take care of their own energy and do this. So then I would just kind of start doing it in front of them. I'd just be like, you know, Hey, I'm feeling a little edgy right now. Like I might kind of lose my temper. I'm just going to take a minute. And I would just take some breaths and do some tapping and kind of show them and like my youngest like picked up on it so quick and like I don't work with little kids but it would definitely be a dream of mine to see this like in preschools and kindergartens and like younger level school because I think like gosh the whole world would be different if people were taking care of their own emotions right like and and regulating their nervous systems and it would just be like such a ripple effect. It already is. But like, if we could really start like that young and introducing it, they pick on it up on it so quickly. And they're so open to it. Whereas sometimes, you know, older kids or adults, even clients of mine are sometimes like, I don't get it. I don't understand how we're just tapping on stuff. And we're talking and I don't know how this is going to work. And people can be really skeptical.
0: Yeah, I think there is a big generational shift of people becoming more open, right? Like I think maybe our parents, generations, or even, you know, hearing that, ourselves as kids, like, oh, don't cry, you know, don't, you know, be tough. These don't feel basically is what Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people have been told. And I think there's a whole new wave of being more open, right? Like you and I opening up, sharing stories in our books and having a podcast and, you know, talking about how we navigate through these difficult situations and the modalities that we use to do that then creates more of a conversation. And, you know, for me, I love how you're talking about tapping and the way that you describe what it did for you is similar to how I incorporated meditation into my own life. And I always say it helped make me more calm, more patient, less mm-hmm. reactive. So now like old Ginny was pretty reactive and now I'm more responsive, right? Like yes. the whole responding versus reacting. And it sounds like that's what I was kind of interpreting and in hearing you say what yeah. you know, the tapping and EFT has done for you in your life.
1: Absolutely. It just kind of gives a whole new perspective. The way I like to describe it is, you know, life was fine before this and, you know, it was, it was okay. And it's better now, but you know, it was still okay then, but it was kind of like being in like the front row or like the mosh pit area at a concert. And like, maybe you love the band and you're happy to be up there, but it's kind of chaotic in that space. Like you don't know if the person next to you is going to bump into you or what's going to happen. Somebody might, you know, go flying over your head and stage dive or something. And then I do a roundup EFT and it's like, all of a sudden I'm sitting in the Presidential suite, and I have a view of everything and, you know, the full picture, and I feel like safe and peaceful and embodied. So that's kind of the difference to me when I do around.
0: Yeah. And clarity, I feel like, clarity, is yep. like that is like if I had to encompass what you just said, it was like, ooh, you just got real clarity that's, by being able to do that. That's really, really cool. Yeah,
1: the three C's are always what come up in my work calm, clear,
0: confident. Calm, clear, and confident. Oh, I like that. That's good. Is that, is that what you would say is what you ultimately help people achieve? Yes. Yeah, okay. That's, that's the three main outcomes. All right. And so gems that are listening, gem, if you are like, oh my gosh, that is what I'm looking for. Clarity, confidence, calm. How do people work with you? How can, how can people find you to work with you one-on-one?
1: Yeah, absolutely. My my website's probably the best place to start, teresalearlevine.com. and you can find me on social media by that name also. I'm most active on Instagram, and you know, you and I are going to do a little tapping together that they'll get to see too. This I always say like this is a technique not to just be heard about. It's a technique to get your hands on and do because when you actually feel the shift that can happen when you do it, then it all makes sense and it connects. So if they go to the website, um, theprivatesessions.com, they'll be able to get their hands on over 70 different EFT tapping sessions that I have done with yourself and other podcast hosts. And there's bound to be more than one in there that they're going to be able to relate to and, and get some great energetic shifts from. So those would be the best places to start.
0: That's cool. Okay. So even if someone doesn't, I just want to make sure that I understand that correctly. So even if someone doesn't book a session with you, they can go to your website, watch these tapping sessions, yes. and then can they mimic it and kind of do yes. the same technique if that's something that they're relating to?
1: Exactly. They're all designed. Oh. All of the different videos that are included in there are um, tapping sessions that are also there's there's tips and tricks in there on like how you can personalize it for yourself and how you can kind of rate your own intent and everyone's encouraged to kind of do the tapping along with me and the person that I'm doing it with.
0: Oh, okay. That's fun. So I hadn't, I hadn't watched that yet. So I'm excited to be one of the participants Mm -hmm. and uh, share that experience with people so that they can join in on that journey as well. All right. Oh my gosh. So I like, how do we covered so much in such a short period of time? We've talked about your book. We've talked about hypnotherapy. We've talked about touched on your kind of traumas and your experiences, um, kind of your journey to getting to what you do now, the EFT. What else can you share with us about you and what you do?
1: I would say that one of my favorite things to impart is how crucial it is to slow down. Mm. You know, um, doing nervous system work is always a reminder that our nervous system thrives in slowness. Our experience of pleasure and enjoyment in our lives thrives in slowness and we live in a very fast paced world where we're always kind of encouraged to do more and take on more and go faster and everything else and kind of like we talked about earlier about you know being more instead of you know doing more that's kind of it you know like and i think that when we when we slow down we can be more and do less And really amplify our impact and even our productivity without having to feel like, you know, we're amped up speed racers all day long, you know? And it just feels so much better and so much more connected and grounded and safe when we can show up that way and prove to ourselves that we don't have to, we don't have to, you know, be slaves to the to do list or go in 24 seven trying to get things done. We can just be.
0: I'm so glad you brought that up. And I have 327 things to say about that. So, and I'm just kidding, not, not that many, but I do have some things to say about it. I think it's such a relevant, relevant topic. I was having a conversation this morning with a friend and she was talking about how she's taking time off next week. Mm. And I had told her that I recently went um, just a couple months ago on my first solo vacation Ooh, full week in Barcelona just by myself. And I'd never done that. I have 327 things to say about that, but (laughs) well, there's such value in spending time with ourselves and like not being um, tied down to anybody else's bathroom schedule, eating schedule, what they want to eat, where they want to eat. And even just are when I feel like just walking around in Barcelona, my Mm. senses were all heightened. I got to take in everything that was meant for me because there was no distractions. It was such an enlightening, powerful, peaceful experience on so many different levels. Uh. But I think there's such pressure to for not pressure, but I I think sometimes people can succumb to pressure. So when I was having this conversation this morning with my friend who's taking PTO next week and she's like, everyone's like, Oh, well, what are you doing? You should do this. You should do that. And she's like, I just want to take some time for myself. And we were having this conversation about being able to shut out that external noise and expectations of what other people are projecting onto you and staying true to what it is that brings you joy. That might not be what brings other people joy, but being able to tap into that, pun intended, Mm -hmm. um, but tuning into what brings you joy and peace and enlightenment and that happiness and not worrying about what other people do and In addition to that, like if you're like me and you are, you know, someone that has recovered from like narcissistic abuse that, you know, their control or their attempt to control what you should do, who you should be, what you, you know, your career, what house you should buy, you know, exactly how you should be. That can take some work and some, you know, it can be a process to begin to eliminate that seeking that external validation and really being confident in who you are and what makes you happy i love that
1: and i you know i love going places by myself too i've never been on a whole solo vacation like that but it's funny how you know you go somewhere and you ask for a table of one and you get that look of pity and i just always feel like gosh like it's such a treat like don't you know what a treat this is
0: and i think that might be an american thing because i did not have that experience in barcelona at all when I walked in everywhere, table for one, I was more than welcomed. Ooh, in fact, that. they were extremely accommodating. So for example, um, like the first night I had the best octopus I think I've ever eaten in my entire life. And the server was extremely accommodating. I asked a couple questions. I was like, okay, should I get the lobster croquette or the mushroom croquette? And he said, you should get one of each. They're small. It's just individual. And then I said, well, I would like to get the octopus. He said, that's a serving for two people. I tell you what, we're going to do a half order for you. And and then they charged half. It was, yeah, it was, they were so accommodating. I never once felt awkward or insecure. And I also think that sometimes that might be a a society thing or Mm -hmm. us just thinking that other people are judging us because we're there for a table for one. But I started doing that a couple of years ago, kind of taking myself out for lunch or breakfast about once a week. And even just that, like, so if a vacation isn't a, you know, is not attainable for you right now or it's not within reach, or you don't have the time or the funds. Start with something small like going out to coffee by yourself or going to lunch wherever the heck you want to. you know like it, even just that I love that you share that as an experience that you do because that can be a really great start to start experiencing what it's like to date yourself.
1: Yeah, a lot of people really have no idea what it's like to just be with themselves. And for a lot of people, that's really
0: uncomfortable and definitely something to become
1: super familiar with. Totally worthwhile. yes.
0: And I think it's interesting too, when you talked about like, we live in such a fast paced world. I really was hopeful. And I don't know if you've seen this in the work that you do and working with your clients, but you know, when the pandemic started, I kind of hoped, okay, well, when we thought it was going to be two weeks and it was like, okay, you know, reset reset and then the longer it went on i feel like people were like now i just can't wait to get back to normal what you know but whatever that is whatever that is right like that rat race is is not is that normal i mean i i guess that poses the question
1: you know i, I guess of- I kind of loved the pandemic, honestly, like as far as like being able to just like be with my family, it kind of felt like an extended snow day, but with like some added weird fear and pressure, you know, but like, I always love like snow days when, and th- those are even changing now, like with my kids' school, like now they want to do like virtual stuff from home when there's a snow day. And I'm like, no, like snow days are like meant for like everything to just get like shut out and just to be able to just do whatever you feel like and just luxuriate in it. And yeah, that's kind of the pandemic sort of felt like that for me.
0: Yeah. I know I uh, I also really enjoyed it um because I when I was working in corporate I traveled basically every week for work. And so for me it was a hard like reset and I really and I'm an introvert so I very much enjoyed being home by myself. I'm very careful about how I talk about how joyful it was for me because I know <laughs> it was a really hard experience for a lot of people for right. many different reasons. Right. And Um, I just, I hoped that it would be sort of a reset where people started to evaluate, you know, what is important in life? What is normal? What, you know, and kind of taking, like you said, that opportunity to slow down, Um, you know, for, for me, I really tried to take a lot of the positives, you know, out of it. But I like that sentiment of you saying like slowing down, not being, you know, that fast paced world all the time and how much we can learn and grow when we actually do stop and smell the roses. Right. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Well, Teresa, thank you so much for sharing all of, you know, your, your story, your journey, all of the helpful things that you do to help other people on their own journeys and their story. Uh, We will get everything linked, your book, your website, anything else, any final thoughts before we wrap up here today?
1: I'm just grateful for the conversation and super duper looking forward
0: to having you on my show in the near future also, so that I can learn more about all the amazing things that you're doing. (laughs) I'm excited too. Yeah, this is going to be great. Thank you so much for your time, Teresa. Oh my gosh, that was such a fun chat with Teresa. She has such great energy and that's a lot of what we were talking about today was energy emotion feeling and you know making those positive shifts so if you loved this conversation again don't forget to leave a review rate subscribe share this episode with a friend and if you're interested in working with Teresa all of her information is linked in the show notes um you know if you're interested in the hypnotherapy or the EFT and look forward to an upcoming episode with me on her show. And it looks like we are going to be doing an EFT session um, with me. So I will share that um, here on Drinking With Gin when that comes out, as well as over on my social media. I hang out most on Instagram. And until next time, Gem, shine bright and let's get growing.